men in the Bible. You have Dr. Beeler and uh, Mr. Patrick Doyle. Doyle Patrick. I actually stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Did so they keep the lights I on? I have an honorary degree. You have an honorary, you, you are a very wise, sharp, young, uh, man, fine gentleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking for words there. I'm trying Apparently to Apparently that doctor didn't help you to uh, doctor, learn how to lie. Doctor, doctor. <clears throat> so uh, we're looking at this types of grief. Types of grief. Did you know that there's different types of grief? I thought that grieving would be different for a dog or a parent, but mm -hmm. um, I didn't know there was a technical term for that. Well, normal grief is usually just the grieving and mourning. That grieving is inwardly, mourning is more outwardly, how we express that grief. Uh, and normal grief, everyone really goes to, but there's other types of grief. Traumatic grief, for instance. Traumatic grief is someone is killed or, or died in a traumatic manner. And, and so that person is dealing more with the trauma instead of the death, or the death more than the trauma and it doesn't catch up, and it goes for a longer time dealing with this grief and not understanding why he or she is grieving like they are. It, you know, in, in thinking about the grieving process mm -hmm. and the anger being one of those processes, would the anger be longer in a situation like a traumatic death yes. because yes. Uh, having more people to be able to blame? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you, you have someone who's killed by a drunk driver, or suicide, uh, that's trauma. Mm -hmm. The person's having trauma for the way the person died, and then they're, they're, they're grieving the death of that person. And there could be anger at the person who, the loved one that, that committed suicide, anger at a person maybe that was, they, they, they view as a person that was a catalyst or situation. Or, and so yeah, it, it, it's hard to uh, connect the dots there. And maybe that person is dealing with the traumatic event and not dealing with the death per se as much. Mm. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes, it does. What, what, other, what are some other types? Of some other types of grief, uh, chronic grief. Now this is where you're grieving, but you're, you're going through the process, but it lasts a longer period of time. You know, after 12 months, it's considered chronic grief. And this is uh, risky because it can, it can actually create health problems, anxiety, uh, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. This is time after 12 months, uh, definitely looking into getting on some medication if you ha have art already, uh, getting into some uh, therapy, maybe more intensive therapy, and uh, other options because that's chronic grief is more severe uh, than just regular normal grief. Well, I'm interested because you said <clears throat> in the previous uh, episode we were talking about some of the ways that you could help yourself in getting out of the grief was the the benefits of exercise. Mm -hmm. I, I'm interested is that something that someone who is experiencing chronic grief would need to do? Well you can't make people do it. I think it's, it's once again it's a self-discipline. That's okay. for everyone. You may not feel like uh, exercising or taking a walk or jogging, whatever, wherever you, level you're on as far as uh, uh, physio physical aspects, physiological aspects, but being disciplined enough to do it because it does give you an antidepressant type of uh, feeling uh, to overcome that trauma, that grief, that depression. It increases dopamine and definitely increases your dorf endorphins. Exercise is great. It could be swimming. Some people it's running, training for a marathon. 
Others, it's just taking a walk. Well, you know, I, I really enjoy uh, 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 riding, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, riding bicycles and, mm-hmm. and all of those, uh, uh, running, jogging. Uh, mm-hmm. I can watch that all day and, uh, and enjoy myself with a nice glass mm-hmm. of sweet tea and turn the channels back and forth to keep up with the baseball games. But um, how would someone uh, who is physically unable to mm-hmm. do that is there something else that they can do that would give them the same benefit well one could write a letter to their lost loved one their loved one that passed that's an interesting Um, concept because they have found and that's why I try to get a lot of my clients to uh, write journals because writing is a lost art we text we we do voicemails we we do all the video stuff, and it's really we really have lost a lot of the the personal aspects to our society. But I think going back to writing letters to the lost loved one, or writing letters to about that grief, uh, because what you're doing is you're using several parts of your brain that allows you to process those emotions more effectively, and you're forcing yourself uh, at your level what you can can deal with to uh, challenge those thoughts and process those emotions. Okay, what about the grief of losing a pet? Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a little bit, but yeah, I, I have noticed uh, through contacts on Facebook that every time someone loses a pet, you see mm-hmm. uh, a, a range of emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, how some people are so very attached to their pet and then you see others who are just kind of mentioning it in passing. How does the yeah. connection between grieving for the loss of your pet, how is that, uh, how does that equal up to mm-hmm. uh, losing a parent or somebody? Well, the degree can be the same, similar. It depends on you and your relationship with that pet. So this is something interesting. It's, it's a big, it's, disenfranchised grief. And uh, basically, this grief... This that's one of doctor words, right? That's why I got a PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just kidding. But this is a type of grief that most of society doesn't see it as the same degree as the person grieving. Maybe they lost their pet cat, okay, or their dog, that they were close to. This is their partner. This is their... A, in a significant other. This is their buddy. And uh, society doesn't see it the same. So what they, they don't want to be embarrassed by saying, yeah, I lost my dog or cat. So they don't talk about it as much in society. They're grieving. It could even be, you know, you admire an actor in, uh, in one of your shows and he gets killed or she gets killed or dies. You don't go telling everyone because they don't know the impact it has on you. Mm-hmm. To you, that's a big deal, but to the society, they don't see it the same. And so, yeah, that is a, is a, is a very real thing. And I think dealing with that um, is, is similar in that you, you can write to your pet. You know, God cares about pets. God cares about what you like. You know, I, yeah. I, uh, I actually experienced something yeah. kind of like that just recently within the past year. There was a, my next-door neighbor had a, a, a dog that... Uh, someone drove by and he had an enclosed fence and mm-hmm. so they threw the dog over the fence and left him. Uh-huh. And uh, the dog just 
bonded with my next door neighbor and my next door neighbor, uh, there was a hole in the fence between mm -hmm. us and the dog every morning when he would go to work would come over to my mm -hmm. house and stay with us the mm -hmm. whole day. And then when he, his, when he got five o'clock, He'd back through the hole uh, and wait on his master yeah. over there. And it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where we, I developed seeing that dog coming in and it was part of my day. And then when he died, it was a loss. Oh, yeah. And I did not expect to feel that. And in fact, a couple of months after he had passed away, I caught myself looking at that hole in the fence mm. to see if he was coming through. You know, you crank up every time I, I, my knees hurt me, so I have to drive my ride the lawnmower up to take the garbage out on Wednesday nights. And mm -hmm. every Wednesday night, crank the lawnmower up, he'd come through the fence, mm -hmm. we'd walk up there, I'd pet him on the head, uh, then he'd go back through. Sweet. And then I realized a couple of months later after that, cranked it up, there's nobody to pet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know that little sense of, of loss mm -hmm. that I had there. I can, I can feel that it made a difference in me. And I'm wondering, um, is there something positive we can do with that kind of feeling? Well, I think that's a very real thing, and uh, for sure. And I think really running to the throne of grace. Uh, grief, if there's, you know, it doesn't feel like there's any good aspects to grieving. I mean, we, we can only, we look at many negatives. But when we really get down to it, grief draws us can draw us closer to Jesus. You know, our grief, talking about the dog, that, that was my puppy out there talking. <laughs> but grief draws us closer to Jesus and leaning on his grace. We know that this world is not the end and that the best is yet to come. It says, Paul says in Thessalonians that uh, we do not grieve like those with no hope. And, and it says in Revelation all, that someday Jesus is going to reverse the curse and the, that all tears, all suffering, all grieving will be gone. And we will live in joy with an eternity in a perfect world. And we may possibly see some of our pets. I don't know, but I think that it's possible. God really loves pets. He created them. Well, you know, we... we talked in the last episode about John chapter 11 and verse 35 mm -hmm. Jesus wept my favorite yeah. the one that I have memorized but I want to read you something from 33 please yeah 33 John 11:33 says when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying he was deeply moved mm -hmm. in his spirit and troubled now we can't do the next one, which is Jesus asked, where'd you put him? Yeah. No, because yeah. we can't do that. Yeah. But the very fact that Jesus in 33 is moved by the crowd mm -hmm. and 35, he wept. Mm -hmm. And then you go to 39 mm -hmm. and he raises him. Mm -hmm. So in the course of that six verses, he goes from grieving with them mm -hmm. to raising Lazarus. And I think that there's something in that to understand that in all of our grieving, it does bring us and draw us closer to Christ mm -hmm. because he's put that in there for that purpose. Absolutely. We also see there another type of grief. 
What's that? Collective grief. Oh. And we've all, I've had many people through the pandemic, collective grief basically is grieving with uh, many people at one time over an event, such as 9-11 mm -hmm. or the COVID pandemic. And I think we've all been here with this grief, uh, the, the pressure, the stress, the changes, the fear, uh, and uh, I think it's been extremely difficult for many from one degree to another. Yeah, I've, I've experienced some, some collective grief when they, uh, when they closed the Godfather's Buffet on Sundays at uh, <laughs> Tillman's oh. Corner. It really, it really did something, it touched my heart. Uh, I'm uh, sorry to hear this. Yeah, and then Beef O'Brady's closed on Sundays too. And uh -huh. I, I just gotta say that uh, although I sympathize with them, I, I, I feel a loss. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not really grief. Maybe it's just greed. But you know, it's got a G. So we're I go do away. like Godfather's Pizza for sure. Yeah. What are some other types of grieving? Anticipatory grief. <laughs> okay. What do you think that? I know. I got my PhD. There we go. I got that word. PhD word. Okay. Let me explain. Anticipatory. Anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief is preparing in advance before the person passes away to grieve. And that is basically you're seeing someone who is ill and uh, suffering, and you're prepared and you grieve prior to it. And many people, not all, uh, not all experience less grief after the person passes on. Okay, so how does anticipatory grief mm -hmm. differ from worry? Well, you know, in I got you with a good one, didn't I? That is very good. Well, concern and worry, or anticipatory grief, is more anticipatory grief is more of a trauma. It, it is it is a consequence of in, inadvertently to the fall of man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we weren't I, in in, a, in the perfect world God created. We weren't supposed to do this. But uh, concern is more of you're concerned about something. Worry is more that God can't do what he's going to do, and you're worrying for ah. You're contradicting the promises of God. So, so really, anticipatory grief means that you are looking at an event that is going to occur, mm -hmm. and worry is looking at an event that may occur. Correct. And the, Correct. the, the may occur event, mm -hmm. by focusing on that there's nothing good that can come of it because we don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. and we don't know what we are going to do mm -hmm. but the grieving is something that you are grieving a loss the the worry is that you're grieving something you have no idea whether it's no going to happen yeah okay what are some others some others we have some others uh, cumulative grief that is when a person has a loss but of a that, mule? Cumulative. Oh. Not okay. a mule. Okay. I thought we covered that in the other with the Yeah, that's animals. a different one. Cumulative grief is is when someone dies and it reminds you of, of another uh, loss in the past. Ooh. And it, and it builds on each other. About. It builds on others. So in other words, it's like if someone uh, tells me about a friend of theirs whose mm -hmm. parents passed mm -hmm. away, it, and I had my parents pass away, it would remind me of that. And Absolutely. That was, I see. Okay. Then there's one called delayed grief. Now, this is when something really bad, you lose, lose a loved one, and you have children at the same time, little children that you still have to be strong for, 
maybe you're considered the strong one of the family and so you just don't grieve because you don't have time for it and you're supporting all these others so this person may go months years to until they actually grieve because they're supporting all these other people is that healthy no but but god has created our emotion our emotional being to be able to take a lot of stress if and, i go ahead and so so he allows these different variations so we can survive but that doesn't mean it's healthy if i find someone in that should i try to get them out of that or mm -hmm. should i to me it sounds like it's denial it is a type of denial. it's going in the, the the process and it is part of the process and the denial they've just taken this to a, another level yes um, some of it, I have people now that, that, you know, what do you want me to do? I have kids. I have all this stuff. Yes, I think you need some therapy, maybe once or twice a week at first, where you're dealing with this grief and you're facing it and you have an outlet. And then while you're with your kids and you're being supportive, which you, you have to do because you have no other choice, you still have an outlet where you're still grieving. Okay, do you suggest... And you being, uh, having a doctorate degree and actually being a therapist, do you suggest that everybody that goes through grief talk to someone who is a licensed, trained therapist? I would recommend, my recommendation is finding a Bible-believing Christian who is a therapist with clinical background as well. Because there is an aspect of the clinical uh, aspect that is, is very helpful. It's taken, it's not it's kind of plagiarized from God, uh, from the Bible, mm -hmm. that you can use together as a beautiful synergy uh, to bring healing. And so I would recommend someone go to a professional Christian therapist because I think uh, if you have a Christian perspective of life, you're going to need that continued with grief. How expensive is something like that? Well, that's a very good question. You can get it through your insurance. Uh, some people do not, don't do insurance. It can be anywhere from $200 an hour to you know $100 an hour to $75 an hour. Okay. And we can, you know, I think there are ways. You can get assistance. You can get some uh, maybe grants, or you can talk to the therapist about some options. Uh, marriage therapy is is probably from $220 to $120 an hour. How much is a divorce? And that's exactly what I was going to say. People say, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, well, it's a lot cheaper than divorce court. Well, let me yeah, just say, you, you said that, that some of the insurance companies mm -hmm. cover that. They do. So it would behoove someone to check into that. Absolutely. Um, and even if it's just a session or two, yep. it's still a chance to get some things out to somebody that's not as close to you. Right now, I work with BetterHelp, and we're doing mostly cash. I also work with uh, 180 Counseling in, in North Carolina still. And uh, they do insurance in the near future. I'm starting my own thing, uh, Grace in the Shadows, which uh, we'll be doing pastoral counseling with some uh, definitely some clinical experience there. And I'll be doing just cash uh, mm -hmm. just because it's easier. But you have many options. Mm -hmm. If you have insurance, it could be a, depending on your copay. Uh, if you uh, are in a church, you maybe get some assistance through their program. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And that may be under the umbrella of that church. I know we Tillman's Corner. I'm not saying go there, but I'm saying that's where we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get support there, uh, maybe some grants. You can talk to the therapist. Maybe he'll give you some uh, uh, help there, uh, maybe some uh, a rebate of some sort. Okay. But there's always help. Okay. Always help. So that's always a good idea to keep that in mind, to check into that kind of thing, because it helps to get this out and not to suppress it. Because it will come out yes. in unhealthy ways. This has been a good topic, and uh, we will see you next time at Two Men in the Bible. See you later. Adios.